Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Keen Clancy and today I'm welcoming onto the show Commandant Geraldine Brown, Officer Commanding 505 Squadron, the Air Traffic Control Unit of the Irish Air Corps. And we're going to speak about Commandant Brown's own career in the Defence Forces from joining as a private to becoming the first female Sergeant Major in the Defence Forces to becoming a Commissioned Officer. And we're then going to take a look at air traffic control in the Defence Forces. So welcome on to the show, ma'am. Thanks very much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so as we normally do at the start, and I'm sure people who listen regularly are always expecting this partic- same particular formula, could you just give us a bit of a breakdown of your own background and kind of where you're from and how you ended up joining the Defence Forces? Well, I'm from Moat, County Westmeath, and um, I went to the Convent of Mercy School in Moat. So after leaving school, I went to Dublin and I had um, planned to um, actually do a course in fashion design. And I was working in Dublin and I was um, a friend of mine was going out to um, apply for the Defence Forces. They were taking in a second female platoon of um, recruits. So I went along with her and when I was there, I filled out the form and applied. And um, I was for- very fortunate that, that I, I was accepted. I know it was um, at the time a lot of people applied. There was huge interest in it. It was the second time the Defence Forces had taken in female recruits. Um, the previous time I think had been in 1981 and they hadn't recruited any since. So uh, when I joined, I, I um, started my training in the Curra, in the NCO training wing in the Curra, the 29 females in our platoon. And um, it was a really lovely, unique time. Um, uh, the training was really good. We had a great, um, I suppose, camaraderie amongst us all. Um, at the time, females were non-combatant in the Defence Forces so our role would have been very much going into headquarters, transport, um, medica- medical medical um, units, at the equitation school, places like that. And um, it, uh, it for me, you know, my parents really didn't want me to join. They didn't think nice. it was a, they didn't think it was a place for for a young girl. They didn't really. I didn't have any um, military background, and um, so they were a bit reluctant to encourage me to do it. But it was something I really wanted to do. The more I thought about it. So um, after joining then, uh, you know, when I um, passed out as a recruit, like they were extremely proud of me. Um, They were delighted. And my my mom is still alive. She's 91 and she would say it's the best decision I ever made. Um, So uh, I've had such great opportunities. I've been really fortunate in my career and um, I've, I've had such great opportunities and great experiences. So after recruit training, all of the girls were sent to different units. Um, a couple of years later, actually, females um, stopped being non-combatant in the Defence Forces and they had the very same um, opportunity to work in any unit. But when I joined first, I didn't feel that it was um, any disadvantage or anything like that. I was very happy to join in, in those circumstances and our training was conducted for those for that you know type of environment. So initially then I was sent to Collins Barracks in Dublin and I worked there for about a year and I heard of a, an opportunity in the Air Corps for a flight attendance course, the Ministerial Air Transport Service. We're looking for staff to work on the government jet. So I applied and came out to the Air Corps, did my training, and I worked for about three years in the Ministerial Air Transport Service. Um, such a such a really lovely unit to work in. It was like one of um, my best memories, I suppose, of, of one, you know working in the Air Corps, coming out here first. Um, it was lovely. It was a very, very busy unit. Um, and um, I found it very rewarding and very interesting. Um, so after about uh, three years there, I went overseas um, went out to Unifil, went to Lebanon and um, I, d- I did a trip out there for six months. And on my return then, I suppose I was looking around for something else to do. Um, and there there just were so many different opportunities. 
Um, friends of mine became dental nurses um, other girls went to work in the equitation school so I saw the air traffic control course and it was something that really interested me I knew in the air corps it was a very responsible job I knew that from a career point of, point of view that it would have um, that there were a lot of opportunities for progress and there were a lot of opportunities for education and um, you know a really interesting job that would be different every day so I applied for that air traffic control course and I was successful so I started in air traffic control in 1994. Wow. And and I suppose, ma'am, at that, at that point, when you applied for that course, were you, were, you still, were you still a private soldier at that point or had you done an NCO's course? I or? was, yes. I was an, an air woman in the Air Corps, we would be called. So I was a private in, in the Army and yeah. then I came out to the Air Corps. Yeah, so I was an air woman in, in number one support wing working on the government jet. Um, so I went to air traffic control as an air woman, did my, my basic training. And then about a year and a half later, I completed an NCO's course in Colbrewa. Um, after my return then from that, I would have had to do further training in air traffic control. Initially, you train as a flight data assistant in the control tower and then um, you would move on and do become a tower controller. Yeah. And then, you know, that training could take um, about 18 months maybe. And then you would go on to become a radar controller. So I would have had all of my ATC training, you know, from FDA to radar controller completed by about 1998. So three to four years after starting, I would so have completed. It's quite a long process, like, but obviously it's such a highly skilled... I was, I was actually going to ask you as well, like why why ATC, but you, you kind of explained that there are all the opportunities for, for training and, and promotion and a very interesting a very interesting role, but what within the Air Corps are, are the roles of, of air traffic control? I suppose um, most of us are happy to um, trust our lives to pilots, air crew, ground crew, air traffic control, um, who ensure our safety. Um, that, that sort of safety is, is achieved, you know, with a great deal of professional experience, technical know-how, um, commitment and very thorough training, you know, by air traffic controllers and pilots and, and such. The basic function of military air traffic control is to provide an air traffic service within military airspace to enable military pilots to conduct their training in a safe and expeditious environment while at the same time providing them with tactical freedom in all weather conditions. So... Um, that service is provided by air traffic controllers, you know, transmitting instructions to pilots in the form of an air traffic control clearance and pro by providing, you know, vital flight information, navigational assistance. In addition, then, air traffic controllers would be responsible for providing an alerting and emergency service and initiating search and rescue if required. Um, civilian aircraft also transit and operate within military airspace and they would provide, we would provide a, an appropriate air traffic control service to them. Okay, fantastic. So, so obviously, what we're seeing from this is that like it's it, it's impossible really for for the pilots to do their job without without that kind of team with with the ATC as well. Very much a team environment. We were we work closely with all of the flying units, and we would have a very good relationship. And you know, like we would trust them to 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 do what we've asked them to do. You know, in terms of clearances, and they trust us to give them safe, you know, correct clearances, which we do. Fantastic. And. What sort of equipment are we talking about uh, when we're talking about the, the things you would use for, for air traffic control? Um, we've lots of different lots of different equipment. Um, if you're in the control tower, a lot of the time you're looking out um, and you're you know you're visually looking at the aircraft and making judgments on what you can see. But in the control tower, also you would have um, a radar that would give you information on the proximity of aircraft. Um, you, you obviously have radios. We have um, equipment that would give us weather information, you know, that would be updated all of the time. So 
we would regularly be updating pilots on weather information um, and then we would have a constant stream of information coming in about aircraft, about their flight plan, about what their intentions are. You would be assisted by your flight data assistant who's in the control tower with you. Um, you know, you're responsible for the control of vehicles on the ground and in the air um, in the control tower. And then in the radar environment, um, you, had a, you would have a radar screen in front of you and there would be lots of additional information in terms of the wind, speed, direction, um, changing weather and um, information, you know, from other um, close, you know, units to us, like, you know, joining air traffic control units, you'd have information coming in from them as well. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to take in. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, it's a very busy environment. Um, it's a very team focused environment and we, we operate very much as a team. Mm-hmm. And and when you're, when you're in the tower like that, man, how many, like on a given say due to rotation or on a given day, what kind of team are you working with? What size of a team? You said you'd, you'd fly, you fly that analyst. Is it just yourself and flight that analyst or is it? Well, you'd have, you'd have possibly three to four people in the team. So you would have another controller who would give you breaks throughout your, your day. So you typically work for about two hours and then you'd get a break. You'd have a flight data assistant working beside you in the control tower who would give you all of the information on the flights that, that you're going to be controlling and handling all of the, the paperwork and all of the information for those. The flight data assistant would also um, transmit uh, clearances to vehicles on the ground, so refuelers, um, tow, you know, vehicles towing aircraft um, uh, or any other vehicles that would need to work on the airfield. Also part of the team then is the watch supervisor. So the watch supervisor is responsible for the safe um, running and manning of the watch. So the watch supervisor is an officer and they would um, ensure that, you know, that everything is flowing as it should. Um, So you could have three to four people on the team. So the tower controller, flight data assistant, supervisor and the radar controller in the radar room below. Okay, so it's it's obviously quite a quite a busy place. And as regards, say, the size of the squadron as well as well, and what kind of established has has five hundred five squadron? Five hundred five squadron has an establishment of uh, twenty two people, and um, so that would range in in all ranks from commandant down to uh, airman or airwoman. Um, so typically, uh, a tower controller would be a sergeant rank, and a radar controller would be a sergeant or a flight sergeant rank. So, with regard to sort of where you'd be working. Um, if you if you became an air traffic controller in the Irish Air Corps, so the main base for the Irish Air Corps here in Maldonado, but are there any other locations or, or what, what what kind of spread is there? So the air traffic control unit is here based in, in based in Baldonnell. Um, in the past, originally when I joined ATC, I would have worked in Gormanstown. Gormanstown Tower is closed now. It's um, so what we have is we have the control tower in Baldonnell and we have a military radar suite over at Dublin Airport with the IAA. So we work very closely with our IAA uh, counterparts. Um, so typically we would have one or two people working in Dublin Airport at the Millerator Suite, um, controlling military traffic in military airspace and also coordinating civilian traffic through military airspace. We have a letter of agreement with the Irish Aviation Authority and, you know, we have lots of procedures uh, as to how, you know, civilian traffic coming out of Dublin, transiting south or transiting west through military airspace would do that. And, um, it's it's great being able to work right beside your civilian colleagues because um, you know oftentimes if if they have an emergency or something, uh, or for weather reasons or any other reason, they may need to turn into military airspace at short notice. So we're able to accommodate that and um, we're able to work with them to make sure you know there's a safe outcome. And I suppose when we're talking about interaction with civilian agencies, that, that military um, air traffic control personnel are, are highly qualified and 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 well able to kind of mix it at that level. 
Absolutely, yeah. That that actually has posed a challenge for us in trying to retain staff because our staff are so qualified, they're sought after all over the world. Um, a lot of our controllers have left over the years and have gone to the Irish Aviation Authority. We've had people in recent years leave and go to Skyguide in Switzerland. People go to the Highlands and Islands in Scotland, um, Aer Lingus. Um, so yeah, we've, we regularly, unfortunately, lose really qualified, um, excellent staff to civilian agencies. Um, but look, we're very proud of everyone who has come through the unit, who's received that sort of professional training. And uh, obviously we wish them all the best in, in their excellent careers that they have elsewhere. Yeah, 100% ma'am, and I suppose it's good as well to note that for, for someone joining the Defence Forces as well, this represents a way to get really well qualified on something and, and have a really good career in, in, in something like air traffic control. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we, we say to people, like, if you're the type of person that can absorb information simultaneously from multiple sources, you know, take in new information while you're making decisions, you know, project forward on the basis of current and, and ongoing information, you know, constantly adjust your train of thought to meet, you know, changing situations. And if you can work closely, you know, within a small unit, then, you know, ATC could be the place for you. Yeah, 100%. As regards, so you join air traffic control, are you still able to serve overseas on deployments or or, how, or is there opportunities for that? Absolutely. Uh, you're, so you're a military air traffic controller, so you're still very much within the military. All of the military courses and opportunities are still available to you. Um Travelling overseas hasn't been something that we've frequently done because um, of, you know, our staff needs here in Baldonnell. But in recent years, we have been sending a military air traffic controller to KFOR, um in Kosovo. And they're sp- filling a specific um, ATC appointment out there. It's something we're very proud of. So actually today we have another controller going out and the, he, the controller that he's relieving will be coming back next week. So it's been excellent for the unit. It's a great opportunity to work with other countries, other agencies and do a really unique job in KFAR and um, I suppose represent our country. You know, it's great that Ireland is um, has that position to be able to offer a military controller to Kosovo to work out there. Yeah, no, it, it is fantastic. And, and uh, from my perspective, having served overseas, that it is great to be able to, as you say, work with other nationalities and kind of learn from them and their way of doing things and just kind of getting used to that multinational environment. Exactly, and to, to have the chance to work in the same professional environment and, you know, the background of ATC out there, like it would be, you bring back so much more as well, you know, you, you gain experience out there, invaluable experience that you can bring back to your unit at home. Fantastic. And so as a, say, a, a young um, a young airman or airwoman or, or or even like a like an officer looking to, looking to get qualified in this, what are the basic qualifications to apply for ATC? Is there an experience-based thing or is it, a, is it an educational thing? Or? Um, leaving cert requirement, really, you know, and then the, the uh, points that I just mentioned, you know, about being able to work within a team and being able to multitask and absorb information. Um, initially, you know, like we welcome all, all applicants, everyone to apply. And then um, people who are, screen, are screened, they do a, a feast test. Um, it's called, it's, an, it's a computer-based um, assessment and, you know, it's it's no measure of how clever you are or anything. It just means that you're able to multitask, that you're able to see things a little, you know, you're able to do things while you're thinking about things and you're able to, you know, control a situation while maybe making decisions at the same time. So that that test then, it's it's the same test the Irish Aviation Authority um, use. They actually conduct, they assist us with conducting that test. And um, that's how we screen people. And then after that, they come for interview. You have to um, do an aviation medical um, so um, on successful completion of all of those and interview, we then select candidates and um, that's how we've 
that's how we've always done it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And just to go back to that to that that feast test, ma'am. Just like as in, what, what, just just again, what is that kind of that? How, what is exactly involved in it, or is it a kind of a? Is it just a stimulation kind of a thing to see what you can take in, or? Um, yeah, it's it's a number of 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 tests that would test a number of um, a number of qualities that uh, you would you would go to a, a testing center. Um, it's a computer based test, and. Um, you would you would just go in and you'd have to perform certain tasks and you'd have to complete certain things. It's it timed, and um, I suppose there are certain stresses in it, and um, it would just see you know that if that you have an aptitude to be an air traffic controller, it, it you know gives guidance as to as to whether you would have that aptitude or not. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I have written down my notes here just to talk a bit about about some, something that I would have I re, a few years ago completed a, an RPAS course for for piloting drones, but. As regards um, talking about kind of safety and just culture and kind of trust within ATC and it's important to air traffic control and in the Air Corps as a whole, can, can you give us a bit of a breakdown on what, what we mean by that just culture concept? When we talk about just culture, we talk about, you know, a no fault, no blame culture where you can, you know, when you make a mistake, you make an honest mistake that you can put your hand up and say, look, you made a mistake. It doesn't excuse somebody, you know, recklessly or intentionally violating procedure so it's not it's not a you know something that you could accept that somebody would recklessly or intentionally do something wrong but everyone is human and people make mistakes and it's so worthy to be able to learn from those mistakes and not try and hide them so you know I suppose instinctively you know people might want to cover up if they make a mistake but in the just culture that we have in the air corps it means that when you have a mistake you know that or when you make a mistake I should say you know that you can admit to that mistake and that people will look at it and see what can we learn from it? Is there something we can do differently and um, how we can prevent that happening again? You know, and I, I remember coming into the Air Corps and um, I know myself now that if I, if anything ever goes wrong, that I, I would always want to report it. I wouldn't be worried about um, how I, how it might look for me or, you know, did it look like that I, I did something wrong? I'd be more concerned that you know, catching it to make sure that the other people around me would learn from it and that that we could work towards preventing the same thing happening again. So it does take a while to establish that sort of, um, I suppose, feeling within a culture and that trust on both sides, you know, with the person who's made the mistake and the person that they're going to be admitting it to. But it does work really well and it does give a really positive environment to work in and a safer environment. And that's ultimately, I suppose, what we all want is a safe you know, air traffic control, safe aviation and, you know, safety for the people that, that are working in that environment as well. Yeah, no, it's a very, very interesting concept and trying to trying to learn going forward rather than being ashamed of something that you've done wrong. That's um, it. So that's that's all really, really interesting. Um, and I'm sure for people at home who don't who don't realise much about air traffic control or even about like what is within the air core itself, um, just just for yourself, Within uh, in your time in ATC, is there any kind of events or anything like that that really stick out as in that were complicated events that you had to undertake or were difficult or were highs or were great things you saw? Or? Yeah, I suppose like um, well, a personal high for me was becoming the um, first female sergeant major in the defence forces. That's something I was really really proud of. Um, I've been so lucky in my career that I've had such such great opportunities. Um, I know I have worked very hard and I certainly have worked very hard for everything that I've achieved. But you also need a certain amount of good luck as well. And I've been fortunate that, you know, I have been lucky, um, I suppose, in, in terms of unusual events, I suppose, you know, like the Queen's visit or any security visits like, you know, President Obama's visit to Ireland. 
um, anything like that. I know on the, the 2016 anniversary, I was on the roof of the GPO. Um, I was the air traffic controller on duty that day, um, organising and controlling the, the fly past that, that came up O'Connell Street. Um, I did bring my grandmother's um, medals, you know, coming on medals with me. And uh, one of the uh, the curator of the museum here in Baldonnell, Michael Whelan, also brought a copy of the Constitution and we all signed it. And it was lovely. Just, um, it, you know, it was certainly a very memorable day. The weather was fabulous and the, the parade was just amazing. And it's something that will live with me for a long time. Um, and then, you know, my commissioning in 2018, um, I, I had the opportunity to to be commissioned. Um, so that was something that I was very proud of. It was like, I suppose I, I felt, you know, I, I'd achieved so much becoming a sergeant major and then just have this new opportunity, you know, um, it was it's just great. And the opportunities then since then that I've had in terms of training experience and um, becoming the, the CEO of the unit, you know, it's just been a very positive um couple of years, the last few years have just been very, very busy, very positive. And, um, you know, I'm very happy working in the unit that I'm in, in the Air Corps, and I'm very proud of the unit and very proud of the service that we provide. So it certainly has been a varied and distinguished career, ma'am. So thanks very much for uh, sharing your experiences and, and the role of the air traffic control uh, with us. You're more than welcome. And I would certainly recommend a career in the Defence Forces to any young person who is interested. And I would certainly be able to to say hand in heart to any young girl who would be interested in joining the Defence Forces that the Air Corps is an excellent place to work and uh, I would really recommend it. There's huge opportunities for varied, specialised, you know, technical rewarding jobs in the Air Corps. Um, so, yeah, I would, would definitely recommend it to a young person. Thanks, William. For further information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media channels and military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. The Irish Defence Forces podcast is available on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Cormac Keith Harrison of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Forces will be back soon with new episodes. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.